Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And I'm just going to point out that Dr. Debbie looks very suntanned this week. I am a little bird, yes. (laughs) Why is that? You've been uh, hanging out in the sun? Well, I'm not normally a sun worshiper anymore, but I did make a special occasion. We did a road trip for my dogs because <laughs> that's what my husband and I do. It's all about making of the course. dogs happy. Yes. Yeah. So we did a uh, dog beach excursion. Oh, really? We uh, went to a couple different beaches. We hit the Del Mar uh, dog beach and we went to Coronado Island. Oh. And had a phenomenal time. It was by day two, my dogs were like, Really? More of this? <laughs> and they're like, Look, so tired. Was this their first trip to the beach? This was their first trip. We, our former dogs, our Labradors, we had done a, a dog beach visit and they were just, they loved it. And so we wanted these dogs to experience it as well because they like to dig in sand out at Lake Mead. And we just thought that they'd really dig it. And uh, they did. It was fun. We had a good time and just fun meeting people who love dogs. And all the dogs were friendly and well behaved. I was so impressed. But it was really good. And, you know, there's, you know, for those that live in areas with beaches, there are certainly concerns that we have for their safety. And that was first and foremost on my mind, just because, you know, they're not used to the salt water. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, they're going to get salt toxicity. Oh, what's Um, that? So salt toxicity is where um, a dog can ingest either too much uh, salt or not enough water. And so a dog that theoretically would either eat a ton of salt or drink a ton of salt water could have an electrolyte imbalance. That can actually be quite serious. Um, and anyone who's had dogs, you know, in the, the ocean, if they drink too much water, you know, you may see some vomiting or diarrhea, which will be the milder signs of drinking a lot of seawater. Um, but the more serious signs when we have these electrolyte imbalances can cause neurologic problems, mm. uh, weakness, uh, can require, and, and in those situations, it requires hospitalization. It can be fatal. Um, so if we have a salt toxicity, now the other way animals get salt toxicity is that they have no access to water, like animals that are uh, outside, maybe confined outside in the snow without access to water or their water freezes, they can actually get uh, salt toxicity just from a different kind of uh, mechanism in their body. But is it okay for us to let our dogs swim in the ocean? Sure. Yeah. It's just watching how much uh, your dog drinks in the ocean. You want to make sure you give them fresh water, that that's not their source of drinking water. And then also tempering their exercise. So dogs that are really exuberant and running and playing really hard and vigorously and getting themselves all worked up, um, we wanted them to have little breaks and times out, make sure that they're getting adequate water during that time so that they're not setting themselves up for a problem. Mm. I, this might be a Joey question, but do you, should you, I guess, wash dogs or rinse them off after they're in salt water? Yeah, so uh, great question because um, the salt, you know, just like for us, if you get out of salt water, you have kind of that itchiness on the skin. Um, and p- for some animals, it can be a bit drying as well. So, yeah, so they have little hoses at the dog park or the dog beaches. So you can actually rinse the pets off um, just so that they don't have mm. that on them. Uh, I do have a, a, a bath. Oh, yeah. The bath is definitely, my car was trash. Definitely. Lots of sand. I think 10 pounds of sand came back. <laughs> yeah, let's go to Joshua. Hey, Joshua, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine, thank you. Where are you calling from today? North Carolina. What's going on with your animals? So I've got a seven-year-old golden retriever, and Friday morning uh, got up as normal, had his breakfast, went out back. Um, I looked out there about an hour later. He's laying in the grass next to a very large pile, 
of um, regurgitated stomach products. And so definitely uh, the breakfast and probably the dinner from the night before, um, in addition to some grass that he'd been been chewing on and then progressively through the day, he was getting worse uh, with diarrhea that turned into bloody stools, um, throwing up, uh, just becoming completely um, out of sorts, not not himself. So I did take him to a vet that evening. Um, she cleared some things, essentially saying he would be okay for the evening and I could take him to my vet in the morning, uh, which we did. She took blood work found his uh, red blood cells, uh, I'm sorry, white blood cells were basically non-existent, and a few other things, and then referred us up to NC State uh, Veterinary Clinic, Emergency Clinic up there, where they, um, uh, the original possible diagnosis was pancreatitis, uh, then started coming around more towards um, salmonella, now they're okay. looking more at uh, leptospirosis, okay. which, based on what he did the day before, I think is the stronger possibility because I had him out for a walk in one of our favorite places, and he found himself a nice puddle and got down in there and was drinking, and this is standing water. And I was actually listening to your radio show, one of the things you advertise, if you want a second, third, fourth, or even a fifth opinion. So... <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think I'm comfortable with the care that he's getting, but absolutely, uh, if there are any other ideas. Sure. Doctor, what's leptospirosis? Okay, yeah, so we've got a lot of interesting things that could be possibilities here. So leptospirosis is a bacterial disease. And it's um, one that can have a whole host of different problems in a pet. So it can cause problems with the liver, with the kidneys, with the digestive tract. Leptospirosis is um, some parts of the country don't vaccinate it, like in the dry areas, like where I live in Las Vegas, um, because leptospirosis is more common in areas where there's moisture or sitting water, um, or even areas that maybe get a seasonal heavy rainfall or a flood. We worry about leptospirosis. Um, so the, the interesting thing is the incubation period for lepto is about a week. So, you know, an acute onset may not generally, you know, if it just happened at that time. Now, if he still had access to that same environment within seven days prior, yeah, you know, that, that's certainly a possibility because, you know, in that part of the country, um, leptospirosis is definitely on our radar. The other thing with that infection that's important to know is that areas where we may have uh, rodents, um, you know, like, you know, mice, rats outside, um, they are one of the little wildlife uh, carriers of this disease. So um, that's another uh, potential kind of exposure or risk factor. So if, uh, you say, a dog is outdoor and has exposure to um, rodent urine, um, then, then certainly that could be a way that they can acquire that as well. So, um, you know, with the low white cell count, if it was significantly low, then yeah. So I, it sounds like they're looking for things that would cause uh, sepsis. And salmonella, uh, which is another bacteria, um, would certainly be one of the things we'd consider. It's a little harder to prove. It's hard to culture for that. Um, so, you know, we'll often look for, with salmonella, um, a normal, healthy adult dog um they're pretty resistant. They don't typically easily get salmonella. It's usually in young dogs um, or immunosuppressed dogs, other pets that have some kind of other problem going on. Because we know that if I took a bunch of healthy dogs and kind of swabbed their 
butts. You know, we might get uh, salmonella to grow out of their stool in maybe 2% of the time. Um, a dog with diarrhea, we could swab them and maybe 4% of the time we'll get salmonella. It doesn't always mean that that's the agent that can cause the disease. So we usually kind of diagnose it based more on potential exposure, feeding raw diets, being immunosuppressed. Um, those kind of things would be the kind of more likely causative factors for salmonella. So yeah, your situation is a, a bit tricky. So I say the things, if they are truly worried about leptospirosis, there are some, um, lab tests, some specific uh, serology tests they can do to test for that. Um, they're probably already treating with antibiotics in the IV, um, and that's kind of a good way to cover your bases against salmonella or leptospirosis um, all kind of across the board there. Um, so how, how is your doggy doing right now? I'm assuming, are we still in the hospital right now? Yes. Uh, they say he, he's doing better. He's eating. Uh, he's not as lethargic. He's happy to see them. The tail wags and gets up when they come in, but they have him isolated because of the potential for uh, infecting other other dogs. So um, they're trying to get a stool sample, I think, to help confirm the uh, leptospirosis. But he will not go to the bathroom indoors. He will hold it for, for days because um, <laughs> that, that's him. Uh, so I said you're either going to have to let him outside or you're going to have to go in and scoop it out. Um, yeah. because he's not going to go uh, unless he absolutely can't hold it. Yeah, yeah. Well, sounds like, like you said, it sounds like they are definitely hitting on all the, the cylinders here to, to treat him effectively. And truly, in some situation, this is so hard as a, as a veterinarian to, to lay this news out to people. Sometimes we don't know what triggers these kind of things. Unless we can pick up some really good clues from the history or something on the lab work that helps to definitively diagnose it, we have to often treat supportively, you know, antibiotics, IV, fluids, um, anti-vomiting medicines, anti-diarrheals, and then recheck um, to make sure that white count comes back to a normal zone and that, uh, you know, those pancreas values stay in the normal zone. Yeah, his, his habits, he's um, he typically walk off leash in the country, and, and he's a big fan of deer and cat poop. Oh, um, yes. My dogs love it, too. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we have a, a, an iron kettle in the back, and that seems to be his favorite water. Uh, the pool is his second favorite water, and the nice clean water in his drinking dishes is least favorite. <laughs> sure. So. Yeah. I'm, I feel for you. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> well, Josh, we wish you the best with that. Keep us posted on how it goes. It sounds like you're heading down the right track right now. Well, I'm delighted to tell you this portion of Animal Radio is brought to you by Red Barn. Now listen up, in just a couple of seconds, I'm going to give you a promo code to save 10% off your next purchase. Now these guys not only support Animal Radio and get behind the health of your pet, they're now in the kibble business. And I'm looking at the side of the package with the ingredients. The first five ingredients feature real animal protein. That's how you know it's good. It's going to satisfy your dog's carnivore cravings. That's because your dog, well, they love meat. And these guys, Red Barn, they love your dog. Ladybug, the studio stunt dog, loves their treats, especially their chewables, dental bones. And they're just one of the great products that Red Barn makes. And you could get 10% off anything Red Barn has over at their website at redbarn.com. Just put in the promo code ANIMALRADIO. Once again, head on over to redbarn.com and put in ANIMALRADIO and you'll get 10% off your purchase. And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. 
Hello? You there in the car. Listen, if I was a cop, I'd pull you over and ask to see your insurance. Woo, I bet that would scare the heck out of you. <laughs> but seriously, I still want you to get your insurance papers out. Whoa, that's ridiculous. Look, we all have cars. That means insurance. But newsflash, you don't have to pay a fortune for it. What smart people all over the United States are doing is saving hundreds of dollars calling AIS Insurance. Some of you could be saving up to $600 a year. Maybe with an extra $600, you can get your car washed at least once a month. I mean, come on, look at it. Look, my job is to help you save money on your car insurance. So pick up the phone, call AIS Insurance right now, and get your car washed, please. 800-475-1832. 800-475-1832. 800-475-1832. That's 800-475-1832. Check out Animal Radio Highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. Okay, we're going to head back to the phones in just a couple of seconds. And on the other end of that is Dr. Debbie and Joey Volani. And we're just a little over an hour away from talking to Tom Stevens. He is the inventor and founder or co-founder of TomBot, which is the robot puppy that you talked about in your news what uh, a few weeks ago. The really lifelike one? Yeah. And I thought this was like a crazy idea because who can attach themselves to a robot puppy? But apparently this is very useful, especially in the world of uh, Alzheimer's and dementia. Yeah, caring for elderly, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's just around the corner. He'll explain his invention. Uh, let's see. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Can we just take like five calls at once? It doesn't no, work let's out. do it. <laughs> I'm ready. Let's do it. <laughs> hey, Belinda, how can we help you? I was calling because of my uh, grand puppy. Uh, she, um, it's, it's, her name is Dixie and she's 12 years old and she's a Jack Russell and she has a fatty tumor on her and quite large and they took her to the vet and they said it's just a fatty tumor, but now it's starting to cause arthritis and all that in her. Mm, Okay. So So it's large, it's large enough that it's getting trouble for her to get around because of the tumor? Yeah, it's starting to, yeah. Okay. And I was just wondering... If, um, because my, like I said, they're, it's my daughter and her husband, and they're in their early 20s, so they, they can't afford the surgery. You know, mm, okay. They said it's going to be like $800, so I didn't know if you knew of any organizations or anything that could help out with this. There's, well, go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, where, um, where are they located at? Michigan. In Michigan. Okay. Well, not in my area. But, um, you know, potentially, uh, there are definitely a lot of different resources for folks that um, need some assistance. And and a lot of it takes some um, creativity and just motivation to really track down these resources. And I I can tell you, one of the the best resources that I direct folks to is to go to some of the different national pet websites, such as the Humane Society. And and there's a lot of um, kind of catalogs of different um, charities um, where you can um, apply for financial aid, um, especially if it's something finite where um, there's something that needs to be done. Once the surgery is done and the pet is done and over with and it's corrected, um, I can tell you at my office, we had a very good experience with an organization called In the Memory of Magic. Um, It's abbreviated I-M-O-M. And it's a, a financial resource for folks in need. You have to prove 
um, you know, that um, you you need the financial assistance through other means, um, mm-hmm. and it has to fit some certain criteria. So, um, for example, the pet we had um, was a pet that needed its eye removed because of glaucoma, and uh, they worked with the pet owner. The pet owner had to raise some funds on their own, but then they helped to match that, and um, so that was a great experience, and it really helped our client out quite a bit. Um, but there are other organizations beyond that, um, as far as Red Rover is one that I have heard of, um, and even within the veterinary hospital setting, um, uh, we offer in my office a service called Care Credit, which is a basically a credit service that's utilized in veterinary offices and human dental offices and uh, orth- orthopedic things, things like that as well. And it, you apply for that, and as long as you get the credit, you can have some pretty generous terms to pay that off down the road. Um, but um, there, there definitely are ways to find help, um, and even sometimes working within some breed uh, rescue groups and show groups um, may even have some different um, things. And I'm not terribly familiar in the Michigan area, but there may be even some resources within the breed um, that you might uh, make some networking along those lines. Um, and I'm glad it is, you know, lipoma. Those generally are benign, um, and that's the good news here. And uh, I can tell you my own Labradors have um, oodles of fatty tumors, and as long as we're sampling and checking to make sure that they're not progressing, um, it isn't typically a, a really critical situation. So I honestly, I don't know all the details of, of your baby's um, situation, but some of these very large ones can be cumbersome and really be become like footballs that they're carrying around on their body. So Yeah, um, that, that's the size that it's gotten. It's gotten quite, quite large. I mean, it's bigger than my hand, you know, so mm-hmm. that's why we've, I mean, we've slowly seen it grow and grow, and but now it's just, like I said, I think it's becoming cumbersome to her. So that's why we went ahead and took her back in, and that's what they told us. And Yeah, we're doing fundraisers. We're selling pizzas and everything to try to raise money, so. Good. Good. And, you know, a lot of the organizations, that's what they look for. And and if you're showing that you're making an effort and, um, you know, and if you have, you know, definitely valid financial need, um, there are some help uh, helpful groups out there. So, um, you know, I would definitely encourage her to kind of check some of those things out on the uh, Humane Society page. Um, and IMOM is a great one to look at as well. Okay. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Okay. Well, good luck with things. Thank you for your call. Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's a kangaroo. South Bend, Indiana resident Walt Temple first thought what he saw hopping through the city was a deer. But then why would a deer be hopping on his hind legs? Turns out what he saw was a real live kangaroo. Temple called the local shelter, but the animal control officer Summer Springfield didn't believe him till she showed up and saw the top of the kangaroo's head as he jumped through the brush. She called for backup, but the hiding hopper got away. So far, no one has called to report a missing kangaroo, so look both ways and up when you cross the street in South Bend, Indiana. You never know what might be hopping by. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals.
The old way of living with diabetes is a pain. You've got to remember to do your testing, and you always need to be sticking your fingers. The new way to live your life with diabetes is with a continuous glucose monitor. You simply apply a discreet, easy-to-use sensor on your body, and it continuously monitors your glucose levels, helping you spend more time in range and freeing you from painful finger pricks. If you test your blood sugar at least four times per day and inject insulin at least three times per day or use an insulin pump and have private insurance or Medicare, you might be eligible for a CGM with little or no cost to you. Call U.S. Medical Supply today for a free benefits check. We offer free shipping, 90-day supplies, and we bill Medicare or your insurance directly. Call now and say goodbye to finger pricks. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673. Hi, this is Joyce Hewitt on Animal Radio. Please spay and neuter your animals. Thank you. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Um, Some people are kind of funny about, you know, not kissing a dog. But if you won't kiss your dog, but you have somebody else in your life who has a beard that you kiss, you need to rethink that thing, okay? Um, A new study finds that men with beards carry more germs in those beards than dogs do on their fur. Oh, Oh, I can't do it. I knew it. I can't look at a guy with a beard ever again. I'm shaving. Swiss researchers did this. They tested the facial hair of men and dog fur from several different breeds, and they found a significantly, not just a little bit, but a significantly higher bacterial load in the men's beards compared with the you know, being on the dog's fur. And, well, some of the men, they say, also tested positive for microbes that actually posed a threat to human health. So just like a dog, experts say men should shampoo their beards regularly. Joey, you're a groomer. You probably have a lot to say on this. You know, I have to be honest with you. I've never grown a beard. I've never grown a mustache. Not because I I really didn't want to see it, just I can't deal with it after day one or two. But um, I used to always say that I, I say that to to exes, and when when, when she look at a guy and says, "I said, yeah, but can you imagine how much bacteria that beard is harboring?" Oh, and, so, and more than a dog that licks its butt and then cleans itself. What does that say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but don't guys mm-hmm. wash their beards when they wash their hair when they shower? Well, I would hope so. I do. Oh. I don't know. Okay, I, yeah, not a fan. Enjoy your fan. breakfast. <laughs> Now, in addition to being a movie star, Keanu Reeves has a a reputation for being just a sterling, you know, nice guy. And in fact, the Internet is is full of stories celebrating a lot of his acts of kindness. But I can't believe I just said that because you really can't believe much of what you read on the Internet, right? (laughs) So that's not to say that Keanu isn't a nice guy, but stories are also made up about him in excess. So, for example, earlier this month, there was a Facebook page called um, Love Gato, which means love cats, claimed that Keanu had saved all of these cats. And, and in the picture 
was probably at least 30 cats, so dozens of cats, saying that he had saved them all from euthanasia. And the post included this photoshopped image that showed Keanu with uh, dozens of all of these cats that supposedly um, he had them living in a special home that he had bought just for them. I'm sorry to tell you, cat lovers and everybody, because it, it, it's a nice thought, but unfortunately, it is the same photoshopped image of Keanu Reeves that has circulated on the Internet for the last several years oh. and checks with him say, that's not true. He does love cats, though, but oh, not. Oh, boy. Who would do He's not a howl. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hi, this is Paul Rogers and Cynthia Rogers on Animal Radio. Just know that it's going to be all right, meow. <laughs> Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. We love our pets. We feed them the best food that we can find. i got to tell you, I'll be real honest, and I think you the same thing with you, Judy. We'll have crappy food ourselves so that we can feed our animals better food. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I spend more on my dog food than I do on mine. I'll go to McDonald's, but my dog is going to have the best. We have Lindsay Tracy. She's the vice president of business development at Red Barn. She's joining us again. Welcome back. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Very good. I wanted to cover an article that you have on your website called Decoding the Label. First of all, is there an overarching organization that monitors food? Absolutely. So we follow AFCO, which is the Association of Animal Feed Control Officials. This is who would set the standards for our nutrition in animal feed. So they monitor the labeling, the ingredients, the nutritional requirements to make sure that what we're feeding our animals is adequate. Now, is AFCO itself regulated? It is a body of FDA. Um, This is a voluntary organization of the government officials through FDA. I've seen that on the side of foods before, an AFCO label. Basically, they provide the stamp of approval on our labels to verify to the pet parents that, yes, this meets the minimum requirements and can be sold on shelf. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the label. So I see a, a particular label might be a beef recipe. What does that really mean? So really that means that 25% of the total formula is beef. So whatever the name of the recipe, dinner, formula, if you see those words and it says beef, that means we could combine beef and beef heart as as long as those two equal 25%. So if you see beef and pea, that could be... 10% beef and 15% pea protein, for example. So th- those words on the outside of your package are critical to understand the highest component of the protein in your formula. Now with human food, I see like foods that'll say cheese flavor, and then there's like no cheese in it whatsoever. Is that the same with uh, with dog food and cat food? If it says beef flavor, is there necessarily beef in it? Well, actually, that's a good question. We really follow the rules pretty tightly uh, per the AFCO requirements. So AFCO defines a flavor as a condiment. For example, uh, maybe cinnamon, which falls into the flavor category. As, As long as that condiment or flavor is detectable or is a distinctive ingredient, we can call it out as a flavor. 
Now I'm a little confused. When I see a food complete and balanced, what mm-hmm. does that mean? That's a really good question, too, because I think there's a lot out there that people could get confused around. There's two different um, identifiers in pet food. There's one that's called all life stages. And you'll see all life stages plus large breed. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. And there's also a maintenance complete and balanced formula. So let's talk a little bit about all life stages plus large breed. So this is kind of the higher standard AFCO applies to pet food. For example, it'll have 22.5% protein as opposed to the maintenance diet. Now that minimum could be 18% protein. So a maintenance diet, if you see that on your label, this would not apply to your large breed dog. And that's due to the fact is that there's too much calcium um, in the formula, not too much of the sense of it's not good for your regular 30 pound dog, but for a large breed, they usually have some hip issues due to their size. So this is about the calcium is above the maximum value that we want them to have. Um, the maintenance diet is really for adult only. You don't want your puppy to have that. You really don't want your pregnant or lactating dog eating a maintenance diet. It's really, again, not for a dog with hip issues. This a maintenance diet is really kind of that core group of dogs that need a lower fat diet. So it could be best for dogs that lay around on the couch, that they're a little less active where all life stages, if you have a a significant issue with your dog, I would make sure that they follow that all life stages uh, description on their bag. What about (laughs) foods that tout to be natural foods? What does it mean when it's a natural food? Natural would mean that the formula is free from artificial preservatives, artificial flavors, or colors. Um, Often you will see with food, a complete and balanced diet, it will say natural and kind of an asterisk or with added vitamins and minerals. You know, I always see these things on labels that says meal, you know, meal Mm. food, meal. And if the first ingredient says chicken meal, is that good or bad? It's really good. It's a it's a great ingredient. All essentially a meal is is the tissue is cooked and the fat and water is has been removed and it's cooked and baked until it's a basically a powder, a concentrated powder. So the quality of meals can vary, but that can apply to your fresh meat as well, right? Just like you know, we go to the grocery store and you can get all different levels of, of quality of meat. Same thing here would apply. So you want to find a company that is very transparent about where they source or how they source. And so typically you can find that on their website or marketing material. It's not always located on the packaging per se, but it's really, uh, meals are great. It's just a dense, it's a higher density ingredient than uh, a fresh meat, which we would include the water weight. So I, I pull out my box of cocoa puffs every morning and I and <laughs> I know that it, it's the first ingredient is like sugar and it's it's I know it's not good for you. But they they always say that it's uh, uh, they, they have uh, uh, vitamins and minerals added to it, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm sure they have to to make it <laughs> worth anything for to go into my body for sure. With dog food and cat food, mm-hmm. are there vitamins and minerals added? Is that essential at all? Yes, definitely. There are essential vitamins that animals can't produce on their own, and they must get them from food. For example, let's say EPA and DHA is added to food, and this helps with the brain, eye, heart health in general. All good. If you want to learn more about this, decoding the label, 
Decoding the Label is the name of the article. It's over at redbarn.com. We'll put links to everything you've heard over at animalradio.pet. And Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you, guys. It was a pleasure being here. Hi, this is Carrie Annie Nava from Dance with the Stars. Don't forget to stay new to your animals, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Your dog loves meat. That's why they'll love the new line of Red Barn Dry Dog Food. The first five ingredients in each Red Barn recipe are meat, fish, or poultry. Sure to satisfy your dog's carnivore cravings. The added functional ingredients make Red Barn Dry Dog Foods the perfectly balanced meal for your best friend. Available in land, ocean, and sky recipes. Your dog loves meat. We love your dog. Head to redbarn.com to use the promo Animal Radio for 10% off your first bag. Hey, this is Sean Hayes on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your pets. Animal Radio. Don't forget, download the Animal Radio app for iPhone or Android. Ask your questions directly from the phone, as well as listen to past shows. The application has been updated. It's really cool. It's a free download. And we head across the country to Violet. How are you doing? Hi, how are you? Good. Where are you calling from today? We are calling from uh, California. Oh, very good. Is, is that Who's that in the background? Huh? <laughs> Who's that in the background? Uh, that's Vegas. He came from Las Vegas, and now awesome. he's in here for daycare today. Oh, okay. So what? I have a daycare exclusive playground. So what's going on with your animal? I have Dr. Okay. Debbie right here. I Someone dropped off this little chihuahua, and um, I've raised him now. And uh, he's got a lot of little spots. Like, you know, they, I took him to get fixed, and he says he has an allergy. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they fixed them, but they didn't say what kind of allergy because then they would have to do a skin thing. So I started okay. giving him some kind of flex dog, which is a three fatty acid in the immune system. I'm seeing a little bit difference, but I don't know if that's what I could do for, like, doing his. Um, I do the tea tree, but that's not working. So maybe okay. a different type of shampoo. Okay, or... tell me a little bit more about this guy. How old is he? He's only five months old. Five month old, little chihui hui. <laughs> and what what do these um, areas look like on his body? Little, just like spots of red. Okay, and, and is and there it's, hair it's, loss in the areas? It's, it's just pink, and then it's just he's got hair on there. So okay. I mean, I don't know if there's a special shampoo should I do or... Okay. Well, the first thing I'm going to tell you is that allergies definitely can happen in young dogs. But the the truth of the matter is that seasonal allergies, inhalant allergies, are not going to be present in a doggy this young. So things that are pollens, um, you know, things that are blooming outside, it takes a well over a year and a half of exposure to those environmental allergens for a pet to develop an allergy. So um, we can almost kind of just ignore that whole possibility. Okay. But we can sometimes see food allergies in young dogs. Sometimes I, the youngest I've diagnosed it has been a six-month-old puppy. Um, but typically those pets will tend to be quite itchy. Um, you know, we have some pretty typical signs with that. In a chihuahua puppy, oh golly, at five months old, I will tell you. Yeah, I understand he's uh, high maintenance. <laughs> 
Yeah. I, the first thing I honestly would have this boy um, evaluated for is to check him for mites, um, demodectic mites, or what they call the red mange. Just quite it was an common. When I took them in, and then they fixed them, so they said just to do the cortisone. But well, and if it did, it help. Um, it does help, yeah. But every time I take him over to the my mom's yard, it's it's. I think he's allergic to the grass because okay. when he comes back, he's all red again. Okay. Well, I'm just telling you, going with the odds in a young pup of his age, um, even if we don't see mites on the first sampling, sometimes it does take multiple samplings. So I would just want to make sure we exhaust that. And now this is something your vet can't do just by looking. They actually have to take some skin samples. They have to do that skin scraping, as we call it. So if that's been done, then I'll feel more comfortable about that. But, you know, okay, so say say that test is negative for your little guy. Um, Yes, there are definitely going to be some things we're going to look at doing. And we might start with some of those um, colloidal oatmeal shampoos, which can be very soothing for the skin. Um, And then I would address going into um, a hypoallergenic diet. I'm not really familiar with some of the brand that you mentioned. Yeah. But to get into, yeah, and you know, grain isn't always the the big problem. It's kind of a a big fad in the human world with nutrition. But actually, some research studies actually have shown that some of the most common allergens in foods for dogs are things like beef, which is over 30% of the most common allergens in dogs. Dairy and wheat are followed after that. And actually, you know, corn is pretty low on the list. It's lower down. So um, things when we talk about grains, yeah, it could be a grain problem. But in many cases, it could be a chicken, a beef um, all those other ingredients. Oh my gosh, yeah. So you would, um, I'd say, pick up that phone, talk to that vet, and say, what food would you recommend? In my office, if I'm treating a food allergy, I like to go to something in a young dog like a novel protein diet. Maybe it's going to be something that's just got two ingredients. It's going to have a carbohydrate, and it's going to have a protein. My own dog is on a rabbit-based diet. Um, some dogs thrive really well on a fish-based diet. Um, so you, I'm sorry? Let me look in the freezer because and and it has gotten better. It's just. Um, yeah, and, and and the thing I'll tell you is with with hypoallergenic diets, you know, you, it's it's a little bit trickier than just looking on the label and saying is this food have that ingredient or not? Because for hypoallergenic diets, the ideal way to to do this is to manage it with very limited ingredients and to make sure that we're using things that are new and novel to the pet's experiences. So, um, you know, I, I personally, as a veterinarian, I like to have some um, recommendations that I would throw your way. Um, so chat with that veterinarian and make sure that we didn't have mites. And then then we can talk about a little bit more about these diets. And fatty acids are great. I like that you mentioned the diet with fatty acids. But, you know, I prefer to bring them in in a, a supplement form. So bring it in in a pill. Bring it in in a liquid. Add that in so that we can control the dose and the amount. And we know that it's going to be beneficial for your little guy. Mm. So... Violet, I I commend you. You've got your hands full with the, that whole crew of doggy daycare. And uh, bless that little guy's heart. And I'm sure you're going to get him on the mend here soon. This is Dr. Debbie. If you have a question for the Dream Team, give us a call. Uh, don't forget you can get Dr. Debbie's books, Yorkshire Terrier Shih Tzus, Pugs and Mini Schnauzers, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend over at Amazon as an electronic book. We have links at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Holy education! Hi, this is Burt Ward, Robin from the TV series Batman. 
You've got to keep listening to Animal Radio. Wowie Zowie. They've got the best information. It's so entertaining. To the Batmobile citizens. Start your dog's daily dental routine with Red Barn's new dental treats, Chewables. Thoughtfully designed with ridges and grooves to help control plaque and tartar buildup in between your dog's dental vet visits. Chewables are natural, easily digestible, and your dog will love them. Red Barn Chewables, the tastiest way to brush your dog's teeth. Learn more at redbarn.com today. Use the promo code ANIMALRADIO and you'll get 10% off your purchase. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Yeah, this is the show where we celebrate the connection with your pets, and we'd love to hear from you. If it's a question for Dr. Debbie, a medical question, or a grooming question for Joey Volani, the dog father, now's the time to call. Judy will get you in queue. And before the end of the show, we're going to talk to Tom Stevens. He is the CEO of a company that makes robot puppies. And I know that may sound very strange, <laughs> and it's nothing new. There's been robot puppies out. Yeah. For a while. Years, yeah. But I got to tell you, I'm looking at a picture of one right now, and this, I'll tell you, this little dog looks very lifelike. Wow. And you're probably saying, why would you want that? Well, for a toy for your kids, maybe, but there's actually a more important reason. And if you know somebody or are family members of somebody who has dementia or Alzheimer's, you're going to want to be listening up because... That's what this dog was designed for. Yeah, or if they're just lonely, if they're in an apartment or something and they can't have an animal, this gives them a companion. There's so many reasons. And I'll, I mocked it a few weeks ago when you did the story, Lori, but now I'm seeing the light. There is a reason for a robotic puppy, and I will find out more about it. Okay, let's go to the phones. Hey, Lisa. Hello, how are you doing? Doing good. Where are you calling from? California, Montebello, California. Montebello, okay. Well, you're on with the good doctor here, Dr. Debbie. Hi. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing super. What kind of pet question do you have here today? I have a Cocker um, Terrier. And, okay. Uh, he's about 14. 14 years. He'll be 15. Okay. Life. He's a senior fella then, huh? Yes, he is. He's a senior. And um, I was just curious because, okay, he already lost his eyesight in one eye. And then uh, he has um, a cataract in the other eye. You think it's a good idea if I operate him? Um, Well, I mean, he is a bit up there in the years. Did these cataracts come on all of a sudden, or were they gradually? I guess gradually, but, you know, the doctor never told me the vet. When I I took him, I said, well, it looks like if he has a a cataract starting in his eye. And uh, Mm -hmm. he says, "Uh, does he bump himself in places or whatever? I go, yes, he does at times. And so I just... He never told me to go to a specialist or nothing, and and then when I mm-hmm. took him, it was already too late because the, the specialist, uh, she told me that you know that is I was already scratching all that, and you know she could really not do much, just give me some eye drops and some ointment, and that was it. So now yeah. I see his eye. Now I see his eyes getting, well, it's getting white already. Is okay. that bad? Does, does it get smelly? Because I don't have no sense of smell, so I really don't well, know. 
It kind of depends on what we're talking about getting white um, as far as because dogs can have cataracts, which are a whitening of the lens inside the eye, but they can also have a white change on the outer surface of the eye, the cornea. Um, and we can see that um, as well, especially in cocker spaniels. They can get some corneal disease as they get older. Um, so, you know, I guess it's hard for me to say in that situation, if unless our eyeballs can go up to the, the telephone and, and we could kind of uh, gauge things a little closer. But I would say that cataracts, yes, in an older pet, they can be addressed surgically. Um, but it is a decision that I really kind of look at the pet's overall health and also how they've coped with their vision loss. Um, if your pet was a eight-year-old dog, I would not hesitate to recommend the surgery because it's wonderful for restoring vision um, and it really can restore a lot of activity to a pet's life. At 14, I think we have to kind of really look at um, our overall longevity and his overall health right now um, because we know that Cocker Spaniels, the life expectancy, you're kind of getting up there. So before we put him through a major surgery like that, um, I would just want to make sure that he's in good health and that's really in his best interest. Um, and also, if the ophthalmologist looked at the eye and said there's no point in doing the surgery because the eye is non-visual, then there's no point in doing that. So um, that was the uh, left eye. Uh -huh. Now, now uh, the other, the right eye is the one that I see, you know, it's getting wide. Oh, okay. Yeah. And if that's a recent change, then I would definitely have it at least checked out. Um, you know, if your veterinarian's not quite sure and can't tell what's going on, because sometimes it's a, um, a lot harder to see in through these eyes that are very hazy, then you might have to set up that visit with the ophthalmologist where they can use their special um, instruments to look further back into the eye to see if, you know, if it's worth, um, worth the possibility. But I'd have to say, you know, 14 years of age, um, I would probably be focusing on making sure he's comfortable in those eyes, um, maybe rather than going for a full gun surgery to, to take cataracts out. Um, because sometimes cataracts can release proteins in the eyes that can cause pain and inflammation. And we may want to at least address that and try to make sure we're keeping his eyes comfortable and, uh, you know, maybe really think hard and long about that surgery because um, I'm just not a complete fan at your baby's age to do that. Okay, too old. Too old. It's too old for, for that kind of surgery. Well, potentially. I, you know, it's not so much that he's too old. I'm going to say that, you know, it just really do you want to put your great-great-grandfather through a heart bypass surgery when he's 95 years of age. Um, oh, you know, yeah. I want to just keep things realistic to what we're going to gain from that. And I don't know that you're going to gain a lot more good vision time with a baby who's already at 14. But I would still say, go see and have that eye evaluated. I, I still think it's very important to make sure we treat for ongoing problems in there. Thanks for your call, Lisa. Hey, Mark, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Where are you calling from? Hey, uh, well, I'm from South Dakota. What's going on? Well, we got our little girl, Joey. She's uh, She'll be seven years Joey? old in a couple of months. And uh, she's a long-haired gray. Kind of... Okay, a kitty. And... Pardon? Oh, I just wondered what kind of critter she was. <laughs> she's a kitty yeah, cat. Yeah, uh, long-haired gray domestic. And uh, lately she's been, you know, fur balls come up once in a while. But lately she's not chewing her food up. We've got her on the... Uh, Purina Indoor Formula, she's an indoor cat, and uh, she always comes out of good health with all her checkups and everything, but she's not chewing it up. It's, it's shaped like little M&Ms, and, and they'll come out whole, you know, and we're, okay. and we're wondering what, what we can feed her, switch her to. Is she, you said she's been checked out by the veterinarian. Did they, did she go to the vet recently? 
Uh, yeah, for her annual checkup. Okay. Because for me, when I hear that Kitty is kind of vomiting up the food, um, the first thing is she's eating it, but she's just not really chewing it. She's just swallowing it as it is, right? Right. Okay. Right. So now there are di- some different shape distinctions cats have, and uh, food manufacturers for dries, you know, they try to figure out the right shape that is most appealing. The truth is that some cats don't really chew all the shapes the same, and some will just really gulp it. And this is why some cats with no teeth can effectively eat dry food, um, because they don't always really spend a lot of time uh, masticating it, if you will. Um, sure. But if your kitty is vomiting, I'd say, you know, this diet may not be a bad diet, but it's certainly would be something I would consider changing. Um, and um, first of all, I guess the, the first thing I always start with with a kitty that's vomiting a food is, you know, it's reasonable to try a diet change, sometimes going towards more of a hypoallergenic variety um, rather than just saying I'm going to brand B, C, or D down, you know, the grocery aisle. So with that, you know, I would see your veterinarian, make sure we have a good checkup. We might want to get some basic tests done because in some cases vomiting is really more than just about diet problems. It can be about something else kind of going on inside. Um, so I wouldn't want to miss something of that magnitude and that importance. Um, so that would be my little commercial to, to, to see your vet and, and have more done than just that physical exam because as good as we are, we can't always tell everything by looking um so we do have to rely on those uh, clues those tests if you will um but the the other part of your question is what can you feed you know and there's an actually a whole new thought in cat nutrition that's really going out there and this is totally different than what we learned you know 10 20 years ago in vet school I'm not really that old. I'm just saying, people. (laughs) But um, the new mentality with cat nutrition is that we're actually looking at canned food as a good thing for a couple reasons. Um, We know that uh, it gives cats more opportunity to drink and take in more fluid. Um, And most times, you know, too many of the dry foods are really high in carbohydrates, and we really want a more protein-rich food with a lower carbohydrate content. And that sometimes the canned foods really fits that really well. And sometimes things like fiber really aren't going to be all that helpful, um, especially if we're having a constipation-type problem in some kitties. So while the hairball formula sounds like a great idea, I think I would probably consider even going to a can variety, something that has lower fiber, higher in protein, lower in carbohydrates, and gives your kitty a more opportunity to drink and see how that goes. Um, but really, I would I would definitely, if I had your baby here in front of me, I'd probably poke her with a needle, draw some blood, and maybe shoot an X-ray of her belly, making sure there's nothing really awry that shows up on there. Um, so how's that for like a whole prescription there, Mark? <laughs> Perfect. I got it all scribbled down and uh, I'll take off, I'll, you know, go from there. We were kind of thinking maybe a, a canned food would be a better way to go. So Yeah. And you know, it is really interesting. The shape is such a big deal. And there's a lot of research these dry food companies do on that. But I've had uh, cats and ferrets even that the size or the shape of the food can be really what sells it to them or what doesn't. Um, So sometimes, you know, size and shape does matter. (laughs) Thank you so much for your call, Mark. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. You smell like a pig. You might not be able to say that much longer. Purdue University scientists are trying to determine why pigs smell so much and how they can make it stop. 
Their research is in response to growing pressure from federal regulators, environmentalists, and rural residents sick of the stench. Linda and Perry Trader's Indiana backyard is so stinky from a nearby hog farm, they have to stay inside, never using their swimming pool. Scientists are attacking the stink where it starts. Hogs are fed experimental feeds to help change the strong sulfur and ammonia smells they leave behind. And the research is promising. Scientists say that pig farms won't ever smell great, just maybe more like cattle farms. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Hi, this is Park Overall. I am just thrilled about Animal Radio. Please, stay and neuter your animals. Please. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more. Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now. For prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. The only way to access our low rates and save up to 70% is to call. Save hundreds on your vacation tickets by calling right now. You can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 800-958-5306. That's 800-958-5306. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Matthew, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. How are you all today? You're doing good. What's going hey, on? I got a question for Dr. Debbie about my six-year-old male golden doodle. Oh, and, uh, okay. What's that? Oh, I, I was just going, oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good boy. I love him. Um. You know, and what I really want is, I don't want to second-guess my vet diagnosis, but I want to question his pain level. It's a question I forgot to ask the vet. He's recently come up uh, intermittently lame in his uh, left hind, and uh, we sedated him and did some radiological you know, stuff, and his hip looks good. There's no signs of any bone cancers or growths or tumors, and and uh, no movement in his hips, no drawer signs in his knee. Uh, there's no signs of, of an arthritic condition, but she diagnosed uh, acute arthritis. But his pain level is, it seems severe to me. Can, can the onset of arthritis cause, I mean, real severe pain in these guys? Okay, I'm going to back up here a little bit. Now, you said on the x-rays they did not see any changes, but when we diagnose arthritis, generally off of an x-ray there's some changes where we go, ooh, look at all those little knobby things on the bones or on the joints, and, and that's a sign that it's kind of been a chronic osteoarthritis condition. Now, did they see anything like that? No, she's seen no abnormalities, but she said it, it, it could be the beginnings of Okay. And it just didn't sound right to me. I, and and if there's no drawer sign, I, I guess, if so there's no ACL rupture or anything like that, could there be other issues going on in his knees or hips that, that I should maybe go get a second opinion on? 
Definitely. I mean, it's quite possible. And when we're talking about, just so I can explain for everyone else, um, drawer sign is a common uh, kind of a test, a physical movement that veterinarians will do in a, generally a sedated pet. Um, and we wiggle the knee and we basically test for instability in the ligaments there. And one of the major support ligaments in the knee, called the cruciate ligament, um, when that's damaged or torn completely, um, there's some movement. It's kind of like a drawer that's kind of opening. So if they didn't see that, it's possible we could have, you know, some maybe partial cruciate injuries that could cause a lot of knee pain and lameness and not show any kind of signs on x-rays or on that physical exam. Um, as far as arthritis, I usually reserve that diagnosis to when we have chronic changes and where we can see radiographic evidence that there's uh, some changes in the joints. So I might back up and say, ah, we have an acute strain or sprain, um, or maybe we have something else going on, and that's very possible. Um, as far as the physical exam, I think in this point uh, would probably be the biggest thing that I would fall back on and where their suspicions might lie, whether that's in the knee, the hip, or, or what have you. Now, did they put your baby on any medications of any sort? Yeah, some, some Remedil, and she said that she wants to use it when the pain starts to flare up. I've had them on glucosamine chondroitin for about a year, um, just as a preventative, and it does show up when he is, when he does get very active, and sometimes uh-huh. it comes goes in a day, but it's coming on more often now, and the okay. pain's lasting longer, if that makes any sense to you. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I guess I'm going to be a little wishy-washy because I would like to say that, you know, the physical tests support what you're seeing at home. And if it doesn't all fit, that, then I don't want to say your vet's wrong. But, you know, I would definitely want to make sure that uh, the signs of what you're seeing agree with what they're seeing and describing in the in the physical exam. And if not, now the other thing is um, a lot of times um, my father's even guilty of this. Anti-inflammatories in many cases work best when we do use them for a consistent period of time. So you can do that hit or treatment, but if we're having uh, especially more established discomfort or lameness, it's better to use that for a course, a period of time consistently, and you'll get better response with um, the inflammation as well as with the pet's comfort um, than just that once in a blue moon kind of thing. Um, but if, if that therapy is not working, gosh, there's some other things you can look at getting into. Um, you know, if we have definite osteoarthritis, chronic changes, um, there are many foods that have glucosamine enhanced in there. Um, there's a product uh, called Adequan, which is an injectable formula that can be very nice in helping pets with arthritic pain. Um, but usually arthritis is kind of that achiness, that slowness to get up, that I've overdone it and, oh, I'm just having a rough time. If we have more acute pain, um, really more intense, then I really want to go back to that physical exam and look again. Okay, yeah, because the, the, the pain just seems too intense to me to be the beginnings of arthritis because when it gets really bad, he won't even put any weight on it. He'll hobble completely and hold mm-hmm. his leg up. Yeah, and how long ago were those x-rays? Um, three, four days ago. Oh, real recently. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, All right. And, this- and the Rimadil's starting to work. Uh, I'm an over-the-road truck driver, so I've, I've seen him go through this pain, but my wife tells me that, you know, he, he is kind of hobbling around a little bit now, and he's He's feeling a little bit better, but, uh, you know, I, I don't want to see the little guy in pain. Right. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, it's worse watching your pet in pain than going through it yourself, <laughs> and I think anyone who listens to the show would agree with that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah. I, I know not to overdo it, but there's no way to tell him not to overdo it. He's a really active guy, and, 
and he wants to jump down the stairs and chase rabbits in the backyard and just go crazy. Oh. And, you know, he, he doesn't quite get the fact that it, it, it kind of, he's getting a little older and it's starting to affect him. Absolutely. Yeah. So if I could get my word out to him and tell him to behave and be quiet while you're rehabilitating, <laughs> then, then, then we'll go a long way there. But yeah, I feel your, feel your difficulty with that. That's tough to get him to quiet down. But yeah, if that's persisting, then I would certainly take another look there and seek. And especially if we are worried about maybe a partial cruciate that's thinking of doing something more significant down the road. So hope all turns out well there and your, your uh, lovely golden doodle uh, is doing well so have a great one this is dr debbie with animal radio you're listening to animal radio call the dream team now with the free animal radio app for iphone and android all of us here at fido friendly magazine can't wait to get on the road again with our favorite fido we know that it's just not a vacation without our furry companions by our side Start daydreaming now and visit FidoFriendly.com to scout out places near and far so you will be ready for your next adventure once it's safe to travel. That's FidoFriendly.com. Until then, stay safe and leave no dog behind. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Um, Have you ever heard of clean meat? No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You have? Yes. It's it's brand new, isn't it? It's like it's not really meat, is it? Right, exactly. But when I first, I thought clean meat, does that mean like no hormones or antibiotics? Uh, cleaner than that. There's a, a startup pet nutrition company that is going to be launching a line of clean meat treats for cats made from cultured mouse cells. Huh. So your cat <laughs> would be able to eat mice. But But listen, you see, clean meat is produced... It's meat that is produced by in vitro cultivation of animal cells. So it doesn't come from slaughtered animals. It's a form of what they call cellular agriculture. So what is different about cellular agriculture or clean meat is that it offers the opportunity to efficiently produce protein food sources, for this case, for our pets, while reducing the environmental impact of raising and feeding all of those traditional food sources. Isn't so that it, amazing? Yeah, isn't that like is that like considered genetically modified food though? Um, no, I wouldn't think so, Hal. And I, I'm saying that I'm not an expert by any means, but because they are taking it, most clean meat is taken from the cells of a fetal calf, a calf that is still in utero okay. in a cow, and then they can grow it into other things, kind of like a stem cell thing. So that's what this is. So I don't think they're actually taking this from mice. Because that would be weird, because they can grow this from the fetal calf cells. What makes it a mouse if it's from a cow? Because it will be, I guess, injected with something that is of like mice DNA. Wow. It's very weird to me. <laughs> yeah. It, when I, I really, I had, I, I'm actually sitting there Googling, what is clean meat, you know, like the dummies version of clean meat? Because I, I had heard of it before, but this was leading me to believe that it's it's way beyond what I thought it was. And it really is. Sounds like science fiction. It does. It does. I, I thought of a Star Trek episode or something. Of course, now, <laughs> what is newer than Star Trek? It's what? Um, uh, the new Twilight Zone. 
There you go. I need to watch more TV. If you ever, if you ever plan to rob a store, don't take your dog along. Police in Wisconsin say a woman, her adult son, who was in his twenties, and their dog, the woman's dog actually, his name was Bo, caused quite a scene at this Walmart in Wisconsin. It was earlier this month. Police responded to the store for reports of a theft being, you know, conducted by these people. And when they arrived, Officers found 46-year-old Lisa Smith, the mom in this story, screaming in the entryway to the store as she was trying to catch Bo, the dog, who was not on a leash. And she's going in for a robbery. So while the mother was in the front of the store trying to catch Bo, the unleashed dog, her 25-year-old son was allegedly naked and exposing himself to customers in the clothing section of the store. Because you know how Walmarts are always divided yeah. up into only, areas. Only Walmart. <laughs> right. So Bo, the, the dog, is is on the loose. He grabs a, a box of uh, cornbread muffin mix and attempts to flee the store. They did catch him. But it's really sad. I, I'm, You know, the humans, of course, were caught. They go to jail. But Bo is taken to the Humane Society. Oh. I hope he finds a good home. A California State Assembly committee is now considering a bill that will ban the declawing of cats. No big news there, but this is going to be the first step for statewide approval and adding, of course, for more momentum toward federal laws against declawing. Cat lovers, mark your calendar. April 19th is National Cat Lady Day. Well, of course, we're already past that. Yeah, yeah that already your happened. Your chance to we, celebrate. Yeah, we so missed it. So you're not it. celebrating this year. Right, but next year you have to celebrate National Cat Lady Day. What this I, first came about in in uh, I think it was 2017 at the CatCon convention in Los Angeles is where it originated. They were trying to dispel that myth that cat ladies are dowdy spinsters. But Hal, I'm wondering, it's National Cat Lady Day. Yeah, cat so when's Lady Cat Men Day? Day? What's <laughs> I, I think it should be cat, wouldn't Cat Gentleman? I mean, it sounds more butlerish. Yeah, I, I, w- I would. I'm hoping that uh, Cat Gentleman Day is still yet to come. Right? You're going to tell me that, right? Because I know that's going to be a big holiday. I'm hoping it because well, let's just start are... it. Let's just pick a date and let's just make it ourselves. I'm all over it. it. Yeah, me too. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com. Where's my cat? I miss my cat. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Did you teach your dog to dance like that? She's a natural. She really is. She does some very strange tricks. She's got some good moves. She does have good moves. She does. (laughs) Okay, so I must have, first of all, apologize. It was about three weeks ago. Lori, you did a story about uh, robotic dogs. Yeah, and how successful they are. Yeah, and I I scoffed at that. I I didn't understand the connection (laughs) that anybody would make with uh, an inanimate object. And then, yeah, I know, I know. I'm sorry now. I apologize for that now because I see that I was way wrong. And I must remind you, ladies and gentlemen, I'm a wealth of misinformation. (laughs) That's that's actually on my business card. It says, Hal, a wealth of misinformation. So I have learned since Googling, and thank God we can do that in this day and age, that these robotic dogs are actually pretty helpful for those that have Alzheimer's or dementia. 
They play a very important a role. A really important role. Yes. And so we have on the phone with us Tom Stevens. He is the CEO and co-founder of TomBot, and uh, they produce the affordable robotic companion animals for seniors. Hi, Tom. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Of course. So I'm looking right now at a picture of... Uh, Jenny. It, it, what is it? Jenny, Jenny the dog? Jenny. Jenny the dog, which is a very real, lifelike looking looks like golden a, dog. Yeah, it looks like a golden retriever, yellow lab. And I understand the invention of this dog came from necessity. Tell us a little bit about it, will you? I'd be happy to. My mother was diagnosed in 2011 with Alzheimer's. And of the many bad days we had early on, by far the worst was when I had to take away her dog. Oh. She had a beautiful two-year-old uh, golden doodle, uh, ordinarily uh, lovely disposition, that she had managed to train to be aggressive towards her caregiver. Uh, her oh. caregiver, who my mother did not like very much, um, when she would enter the room, the dog would growl. My mom laughed and petted the dog, reinforcing the behavior. Uh-huh. And it wasn't very long before we had a real problem on our hands. Yeah. Fortunately, we were able to find a new home for the dog uh, with some close family friends. But my mother was devastated. Sure. This is her best bud that's been taken away. Absolutely. Uh, I, I grew up in a house full of animals, and, and my mother was really the impetus behind that. She always uh, treasured animals, and, and particularly dogs. Uh, and this was her, her last animal and her primary uh, companion there at home, and removing that was, uh, was almost like taking off a leg. What was your epiphany? I, I started looking around at that time for substitutes for live animal companions and didn't find anything that I liked that was either uh, affordable or, or something that my mother would respond to. So I started experimenting with robots and found that, that she, uh, she responded quite readily to them. I went on to learn more about her disease and the circumstances and found that her circumstances weren't unique. Being Alzheimer's. Uh, Alzheimer's and not able to safely or practically care for a live animal. And did you think a robot would be a good substitute? Well, my background is in, in high tech. I've been in the computer world for about 35 years. And so I was curious as to whether technology might be able to play a role. And in my research, I'd come across some of the more expensive uh, robots that you mentioned during the intro uh, and and read the science and found that they actually had uh, provided quite a bit of relief uh, from the symptoms associated with dementia. But the fact was it was just they were simply too expensive. And so Mm -hmm. I thought that, well, maybe a more affordable version might make some sense. So what kind of um, like uh, actions do, do the Tombots do that um, still give the sensation or the idea that it's a pet? Are they vocalizing? Do they move? What, what all do they do? Um, all of the above. So the first thing that we learned is that anything on the ground is an extreme tripping hazard for a senior with dementia. Many stories of, of seniors tripping and falling oftentimes over their own pet And so we learned that if we were going to be effective here and and provide something that was safe for use, it needed to be a lap dog and not a dog that could walk around. And so we looked at the animations, uh, the movements, the behaviors associated with live lap animals and tried to emulate those in, in Jenny, which is our fifth generation prototype. 
So the, the uh, Jenny is designed to lay comfortably on the lap of the senior or on a chair or table close by, anywhere that they can remain in close physical contact. And the animations include eyes, ears, eyebrows, mouth, uh, the neck, uh, and tail uh, capabilities. In all, Jenny has 16 servo motors in her, seven alone in her neck. And that's what gives Jenny the ability to not only have significant range of movement, but have those fine motor movements that are so common to a living animal. There's a great story behind the creation of it, and it includes Jim Henson's puppets. And we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to find out what that's all about. Stick around. It's Animal Radio. Okay, yeah, so puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why Ladybug, the Animal Radio Studio stunt dog, uses the Brilliant Pad self-cleaning puppy pad. It seals away the waste and replaces the dirty pad for us. Brilliant Pad keeps the Animal Radio Studios smelling fresh. In fact, all we have to do is replace the roll once every few weeks. And let me tell you, that's pretty fast and easy to do. I love it, and Ladybug gives it five paws up. You can learn more about this amazing machine over at BrilliantPad.com. Hi, this is Dr. Paul on Incredible Radio. Is that what it is? Animal Radio. Okay, I'm sorry. Hello, this is Dr. Paul on Animal Radio. The pets are all part of your life. Make them welcome in your life. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. It is Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets in our TomBots. We are with Tom Stevens. He's the inventor of a robot dog or a robot puppy that is primarily used for seniors, those suffering from dementia and Alzheimer's, and created by necessity and by design. You went to Jim Henson's crew, and for those of you that don't know, Jim Henson, creator of the Muppets and the very lifelike-looking puppets, you went over there to ask them for help in designing this puppy. What was their reaction? Um, well, it was interesting. The two leaders of uh, two creative heads there, the gentleman who's the head of uh, the creative director and, the, um, and another gentleman who is the head of animatronics, both had fathers at that time who were suffering from dementia. And so they had a very strong personal connection to our mission and felt that this was something that was really appropriate for, for them to work on. Uh, in all, we've worked with over 700 seniors with dementia uh, and learned, first of all, that they preferred animated objects over non-animated objects, so things that moved. Um, secondly, they preferred realistic appearance over toy-like or cartoon-like or abstract appearance. Uh, but thirdly and most importantly, they preferred objects that behaved realistically. And we didn't know how to do that. So we went looking in the animatronics world, knowing that uh, being here in Hollywood, that was convenient for us. And we found the Jim Henson folks. And where we began was simply experimenting with how to replicate the internal anatomy of an actual dog. And so went through multiple rounds of, of trials to come up with something that we really liked. Uh, and then we ultimately tested that with the seniors to get their response. I'm curious, did you test this on your mother and what was her reaction to it? Absolutely. Uh, my mother was, uh, she passed away this last October, I'm but sorry. for years uh, we were working together and it was what she wanted to talk about. 
Um, Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia are very, very difficult on family members. Uh, so many difficult decisions uh, you have to make that are frustrating. From a child's perspective, taking over for a parent was uh, emotionally very difficult. But the robot gave us a, a, a point of commonality where we could come together and work together. And so it was what my mom wanted to talk about first when I saw her. She said, how are the robots coming? Do you have the next one for me? She, but she knew it was a robot, right? She did. There was an ethical concern that we had from the very get-go that we, we didn't want to trick anybody. And it turns out that people with dementia, whether it's mild or moderate uh, dementia – they know that it's a robot and actually prefer that it's a robot over a live animal. Um, for severe dementia, they may or may not be able to distinguish between a live animal and the robot. But up until that point, uh, they are able to distinguish. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So where are we in production now? Can we actually buy these? Uh, we just finished a pre-order campaign on Kickstarter, and we're, we're now active in manufacturing. However, first customer shipments will not be until May of 2020. So it's still a little ways before we get them in the customers' hands. But we were accepting pre-orders on Kickstarter. Um, we're currently in between pre-order campaigns, but we'll probably relaunch that in the next month or two. What kind of reaction did you get from it? Uh, overwhelming. Not only from spouses or children of people with dementia, but also in a number of other uh, use cases. Um, so we have quite a few that were pre-ordered for children with autism. Um, adults buying them for themselves that have major depressive disorder or PTSD. We're working with the nation's largest chain of hospitals for inpatient use in places where live therapy animals are not typically allowed to visit, such as the emergency room or an ICU. Tom, you might have already answered my question, um, but there's probably more from what it sounds like. Um, so many companies these days, they start out and they have um, you know, goals of giving back. That's part of the company mission. Sounds like you're going to do that too? It, it, first of all, this is a mission-based company. I had the good fortune of selling uh, my company here a few years ago and thought I was retired. That was the same year that my mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and it really gave me a focus and, and meaning and purpose for how I would spend the next several years. So it's so important for us to be able to make a difference, and our products actually provide a medical benefit. So it's not an entertainment device. It's not something that you would buy as opposed to your next uh, Sony PlayStation it really is meant to provide uh, someone with the ability to self-soothe through anxiety and loneliness, depression, where they can't safely or practically own a live animal. Uh, Tom, what's a website if people want to learn more? It's www.tombot, T as in Tom, O-M, B as in boy, O-T, dot com. And you can also follow us on social media. We have Facebook and Instagram pages, and we'd love to uh, communicate what we're up to to anyone who's more interested. And we'll put all those links over at animalradio.pet. Tom, thank you so much for what you're doing, and thanks for visiting with us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Tom Stevens, he's the CEO and co-founder of TomBot, the new affordable robotic companion animal for seniors and uh, all kinds of people. Coming out in 2020, all the details over at the website. We'll put, again, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet. 
Well, it is time for us to get on out of here. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you need your fix, go to the website or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. And we'll see you next week for more Animal Radio right here. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.